0: This is whatever episode we're up to. 13, I think. And we have two guests today. It's great. I have Seth again. Hello, Seth.
1: Yes, thank you for having me again. I cannot believe I have not worn out my welcome.
0: No, you're back again. And second guest today, I think, I think this is the first time we've had three people, or including me. We have Karen. Karen's here. Hello. Hello. And we're going to talk about the recent shows done by The Revolution. Now, I think you both went to you didn't go to the same show, so we'll we'll figure that out. Nope. Karen, start talking. Which which show did you go to?
2: So I went to the show in technically it's Silver Spring, Maryland, which is where I live, but it's just on the border of Washington D.C., so it's technically the D.C. show, and it was Thursday, oh. April twenty seventh at the Fillmore. Okay, and Seth, you went to
1: the next night was uh, in New York City at a place called BB King's, and uh, they were literally they trained it from Washington. That night they played Washington, they took a train and then got to New York like a couple hours before the show. So it was those two shows in two nights.
0: So I'm guessing it was the first time both of you have seen The Revolution. (laughs) Yes. Unless you were there in
2: 84, (laughs) 5, 6. I was a baby then.
1: (laughs) I had a feeling that was coming um, the uh the revolution broke up if you think about it, the revolution broke up before any of us really got in involved i mean I was a fan in the you know in the 80s, but I became a real fan in the 90s and Captain, you and I have talked about it before. like it was never something that I thought about wanting to do as an adult. Like I never said, boy, I wonder one day if I'll see the revolution like it was such a <laughs> random thing and it's such a really neat thing that they're doing because nobody ever thought like I, I had just thought they'd moved on. I never thought that they would rally around this to want to do this again. I, it was it was stunning that they even tried.
0: Yeah, like they did those few shows. Uh, well, I think they did three shows at First Avenue sometime last year, and I thought, oh, that's it. Th- that'll be it. And then, yeah, dates start being announced, and a lot of dates too. There's a lot of dates mm-hmm. coming up. So how much were the tickets? That's my question. Were they stupidly expensive, or were they reasonable?
2: Um, I think they were reasonable. I've got to go find my tickets, though. But I thought they were like $30 Yeah.
1: I think 28. dollars yeah, That's 20. like
2: 1985 prices.
0: That is so cheap.
1: That was nothing. It, it was a general admission, you know, standing room only. So there was no seats or anything like that. And uh, I think it was 28 plus all the, yeah. the, the uh, ticket master fees and all that other nonsense.
2: Mm-hmm. That is crazy. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. It was really Seriously, cool. Seriously, that's, it was, you, it, that's it, probably it was what, what t- the Prince tickets cost in 1985.
1: <laughs> that is crazy. But you think about it, like those five people, they're playing, they're used to playing like the Orange Bowl. And they're playing like these massive stadiums. And here they are now playing in these, these small clubs. And I, I wonder what, what it must be like when they're on stage and looking out there and seeing something totally different from when the last time they did this as a group.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I guess. they a lot smaller than they were used to doing all those years ago. So, Karen, what did you think of the, let's say, the, the audience that was there? Were they young people, old people, mix of everyone?
2: It's a mix of everyone. It made me very, very happy because one of the many things I've been mourning with Prince passing is knowing I'll never go to a Prince concert again. And part of it for me, the excitement of going to a Prince concert was seeing the other fans in person. And so for me, it was just exciting to go because the group was so diverse. I mean, of course, there's people in purple and, you know, wearing all the kind of princy outfit type of things but yeah to me it was a very diverse um audience black and white young and old you know kind of just everybody across the board and so that just made me automatically feel like yes like even before the show started I was like yes this is my people <laughs> like this is a you know, a good group. But yeah, it was really interesting that there was like, I, I think across, you know, everybody was there.
1: Including fans of, uh, of of your podcast, because there was a guy that came up to me that recognized me from the, the spree cast and came up to me and said, hey, great job with Captain that's awesome that's awesome it was very cool Now there were definitely people that i had seen at other shows you know uh, you know i i told the story on your show uh captain and obviously i've, I've tweeted about it a lot but the last time i saw prince was at city winery in a very uh similar <laughs> sized place you know so so mm. prince performed in that in that venue and I recognized a lot of people from that. Like, it wasn't people from Madison Square Garden. I, I I couldn't say that. But I recognized people that I had met that night. You know, people that I didn't keep in touch with over the years. But there was, like, this mutual, like, hey, how you doing? I, I recognize you. You're like, you're you, you're somebody. I'm somebody that, you know, we, we had a conversation. And there was, there was something to it. And it was it was a certain familiarity that had been missing because there wasn't a Prince show to go to. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So Karen, had you seen Prince before in I had,
1: concert? Yes, I had seen four concerts in my
2: life the, My first show wasn't until 1997 Jam of the Year tour So I first became oh. a Prince fan around 1997 and then I actually didn't get to see him until musicology in 2004 because I was yeah. a poor high school college student and even then had to take a bus with my now husband eight hours to Toronto to see him in musicology then actually didn't see him again until twice in 2015 so I feel very very fortunate now looking back that I was able to see him twice you know in one year um, one was for the Baltimore Rally for Peace and then the other was in D.C. at the Warner Theatre after he played at the White House. And so then he did the very uh, yeah. Warner Theatre, which I was doubly excited because he also had performed there on the Controversy Tour in 1981, but that was just me. But yeah, no, I'd never actually seen him in as intimate a venue as... You know, I think um, Seth had mentioned about being at the City Winery. That was my smallest venue I'd seen him at. So four Prince concerts up until then, but no revolution. That's a
0: good mix. You saw, you know, three totally different bands.
2: Yeah, yeah. The only thing is, so my husband had gone to three of the four concerts with me and was always sad he never got to, like, you know, hear pre i don't want to say religious prince but pre you know spiritual uh, yeah. prince. <laughs> like, yeah. and so i never and you know admittedly i never really had either and so that was part of the appeal of coming to see the revolution was to hear some of those songs live because, in a way you've never had before yeah because yeah the 97 tour was like
0: the last time he was that's, he did sexy mf
2: that's and the down. last
0: time he was wearing it face
2: down yeah face, face down. down.
0: that My was husband. the last tour
2: <laughs> Yeah, my husband didn't get any of that. So, so he missed out. But 2004 in musicology, he did the he did a great guitar solo and my husband plays guitar and that sold him. So, since then, mm. he's, he's actually he's not a bigger fan than me, but he's actually a bigger 80s fan than me. So, that's why I was excited to have him come with me to the Revolution concert cuz I was like, "All right, you're going to know these better than I do. I'm more of a 90s Prince
1: person." Yeah. I was at that uh, that DC Musicology, not not the Toronto one, but I went to see him at, it was then called the MCI Center, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, yeah. I saw that, that was during uh, Musicology, I drove down from New Jersey. Mm. I remember that.
2: Yeah.
1: Those were the NPG Music Club days, those were much easier.
0: Oh yeah. A simpler like I time. Saw, I saw two Musicology shows, and they were... North Carolina, South Carolina, Columbia and Raleigh. And the Columbia one was good because uh, that was John Blackwell's hometown. And that was a big show. That was crazy. You know, where, You know, anytime there was a drum solo, everyone just went mental. It was great.
1: And a shout out by the way, how... to John Blackwell uh, when you hope that he's uh, doing better.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, get better. But see, that those two shows that I went to, you know... You know, we don't talk about bootlegs, but people do record shows. <laughs> I, I Somehow don't know what you're talking about. Sh- <laughs> What's a bootleg? <laughs> those two shows that I went to ended up being like two of the only shows on the entire Musicology tour that were not recorded. Oh. <laughs> so that's pretty sad for me. But,
2: but what do you do? That's pretty funny <laughs> yeah that was the other thing that was just odd to me to, to go to the revolution concert and see everybody have their phones out so easily like just just as a person who goes to like you know the prince concert especially at the warner theater being a small venue there were no phone you know they were real strict and so it was just so yeah. odd to me to be so freely oh you can record Oh, take a picture and i'm like oh my gosh it's just <laughs> <such> an atmosphere <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's a it's a yeah. different yeah, it's a different thing. Did they open with uh Computer Blue?
2: They did. Then they yeah. and they not only that's opened with that. Computer Blue, but with the um fabulous ladies and gentlemen, please welcome yep. the revolution. Yes. Yep.
1: <laughs> and then they go into Wendy. Yes.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I was like, <laughs> get out of here, that's them.
2: Yeah, that's that was just the cool part about seeing them was you're like, Those are the people. <laughs> that's them. It okay.
1: mm-hmm. that Very cool. So Who let's talk about home?
0: set list. They sure. played pretty much Everything 84, 85, 86?
1: 82, 81. That
0: they used to... Oh, oh yeah, all the way back. mm mm-hmm. Yep. So they started with Computer Blue... What else? What did they do? Have you got a, anyone got a set list there? I've they're probably pretty much the same, I guess.
2: Yeah, I've got it in front of me because I, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure the other concerts were different or maybe slightly different, but yeah. So they opened with Computer Blue. Um, my prediction was, and it was true because they went into America, which I was like, well, in part because we're in DC, so we're like, yeah, they're gonna play America. <laughs> <laughs> that was the second. That was the second song, though. The second song,
1: yeah, America. Yeah, yeah
2: I would
0: exactly. have thought that's 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 the encore at the end, like 20 minutes of America.
2: Yeah, yeah. I know. So, that's so what they the didn't second um, song. Wow. Yeah, they could just play America, and I'll be happy. Like, just do like a thirty-minute <laughs> like, song.
1: The yeah. songs were a lot shorter, my friend, yes. without, without their illustrious leader.
2: Yes, yeah, the songs uh. shorter, but yeah, no, it was. I was, yeah, a lot of 85, 86. But even "Let's Work," they did "Erotic City." I'm looking at my set list. Yeah, DMSR, Uptown. So yeah, they kind of they did a little bit of earlier stuff. Controversy. Now they had. Was
0: it? I think I read Andre was singing. Oh like about half the songs is that
2: no bright? it
1: wasn't andre it was um oh stokely stokely no. from uh mint condition
0: yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: and he had performed i found out this after but he had performed at the the celebration at paisley park with the revolution so that was something that they had been planning and supposedly the one thing that you have to say and this is not meant as a criticism because it's not but there is something about that band that without him there's really something missing Mm -hmm. And it's not that they're, it's not musical. Like, they sound incredible. But the showmanship is missing. And when they were just playing, it sounded like you were watching The Revolution. When, and no offense to Stokely or anybody else that would be on the stage, but then it feels like a tribute. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's different. Like, when it's just them playing, when... When Wendy's singing or Brown Mark was singing a couple of songs, I think Brown Mark did uh, uh, Erotic City. And at that point, you're not thinking about who's not there. Mm -hmm. But when Stokely comes on, it's immediately, wait a minute. You know,
0: There's
2: someone else up there.
1: Someone's okay. not someone's not there.
2: And I agree, he did a fabulous job, so I, I applaud him, but I, I would also kind of co sign on that that it was just like you're just like, Okay, that's when you feel like he's not there. Which I appreciate from the get go when they started the whole set list that Wendy even said, you know, this is not meant to be You know, we know this is not going to be a Prince concert. This is meant to be a sing-along. So that, I think, just acknowledging that, you know, nobody's going to replace him, no matter how, you know, good of a singer anybody is.
1: She said to our crowd that that, you guys have to sing because we don't have our singer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one thing that that I noticed, and Karen, I'd love to know if you saw something different, is I just thought they went above and beyond. Like, all those songs that Karen just read off to you, that's well worth the price of admission if they play that and leave no one oh. thinks twice about it i was blown away first of all by roadhouse garden yes. <laughs> I, I i just they they don't owe that to anybody mm-hmm. and they did it and they did it for us you know yeah. what i'm saying like above and beyond and then the stories i just thought the I, first of all hats off to wendy melvone she tells these illustrious stories about working together and meeting each other and at one point the band i guess needed a break so she did sometimes it snows in april but tells this story about how she was looking in her diary and they found out that they wrote it on april 21st all those years ago and the synergy of that and what, what how, how is that possible and all i'm thinking to myself and i said to the people that i was with i said they don't have to say all that like that's pure emotion like you can tell that, yes, they are getting a paycheck and yes, they like touring and they like the attention, but this is a form of healing for them. And I thought that it was wild just to witness it.
2: I completely agree. And just from my own personal standpoint, I feel like I've been in you know my own level of mourning for this whole year, keeping it very quiet. And then I'm like, okay, well, I want to almost go to the Revolution concert to see like, how is somebody that knew him so intimately and so well dealing with this? And so for me, that was, it was a very upbeat show. You know, of course there were the smaller, you know, versions, sometimes it snows in April or of course during purple rain. like That's kind of those slow songs there for the Prince tribute aspect, but to just kind of have this diverse celebration, but also this just very honest, as he said, they don't have to go above and beyond, but you could tell they were just doing it out of just love and emotion. And just, this is, this is how we're going to try and figure out how to cope with all of this. And that, that to me was just at the end of the day, the most healing kind of aspect of it, or just kind of the best feeling leaving. Not only did you get this awesome show with these amazing people, but you're just like, okay, they're really struggling with it too. And, and this is the way that they're dealing with it. So that, that was inspirational for me.
1: And, and knowing, Uh, and knowing that you saw those types of things, mm -hmm. I kind of wonder what the others were thinking, Mm -hmm. you know, because I kind of wanted more of that. I, I wanted to hear, remember Bobby gave that great speech at the, at the tribute concert in St. Paul. And, you know, I just, he didn't say a word, you know, there yeah. and again, it's not a criticism. It's just, you know, these guys have these great stories to tell. And, you know, just the idea that they were playing together again and what that was like, cause they had all moved on, you know, <laughs> you know, they all had their own lives. First of all, one of them does a podcast. Brown Mark does a podcast, oh, Yeah. You know, Yes, you know he's and 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 Wendy and Lisa have done all this composing for these these um, television shows. shows, and they reference that like you know how how you know he held them to such a high standard that when they compose. For the tv shows they say to themselves would he have approved of this mm-hmm. and i just think that's a neat story to tell and it was just like that kind of stuff gave you chills
2: yeah that was that, because like you know any you or i you know we're going to this concert we know the songs but yeah i was like i could just hear you guys just talk like right. that would be cool enough for me just to share these these moments but yeah i agree that was that was a very cool part and i would have loved more but they don't need to share it so i appreciate right. what
1: yeah well yeah. That's, that's what I'm saying like I don't want it to be misconstrued as a as a criticism. I just think that ultimately like those are the things that are the most memorable, like mm-hmm. how they did I would die for you mm-hmm. is not is not what you take away from this. You know what I mean? Like they they sounded great, but I, I just remember I would die for you was a song that um Stokely was on and I'm just thinking to myself, okay, that that that's great. That's like every other tribute out there. Mm-hmm. And these things that they had, it's just such a unique gift that they had. It, it's it's a fascinating dynamic for a band that was all fired.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <So.
0: laughs> it definitely would have been a a unique experience <laughs> because they're still mourning and healing and the audience the same. It definitely was a unique atmosphere, I guess, is the word I'm trying to think of.
1: I don't know if you got the same sense, Karen, but when you heard them play songs, they were songs that were straight from the albums and that Prince, over the years, had evolved those songs. Mm -hmm. That When you heard him play those songs, he would put newer twists on them and they were playing them like he had taught them.
2: Yeah, I think that was the exciting part for, so like I said, my husband is like, you know, more of the 80s fan, I think sometimes than I am, but he was like, you know, I'm I'm hearing them like they're on the CD, but you never, like, I don't ever get to see those songs live. Um, We went and saw My Rudolph's um, Prince cover band. And so I was excited to go to that because I go, when else can I hear, like, When You Were Mine live, which granted they didn't play, but you know, when can I hear those songs live? And so that was just the exciting part was I'm like, yes, like this is, what you what you hear on your CD at home but it's like this is the revolution playing it live in front of me oh my god that to me was just the thrill of it and to really see like I said in person their idiosyncrasies like Wendy's facial expressions or just kind of all the little subtleties that I feel like the Deep Cut Prince fans will know like kind of like when what was it they said you know, dearly beloved, we're going to it. There's something else. And the crowd went, our music. And I'm like, yes. Yeah,
1: like,
2: yeah. <laughs> kind of like those little things, like Bobby Z on the drums and mountains. Oh, that's funny. And, yeah. and in Kiss, it was little girl Wendy's parade. All those like little things that like you could do. And I felt like that because the venue was so small and they wanted it to be interactive. I felt like as an audience member, I'm like, okay, I have to participate to be like, hey guys, I got to show my appreciation for like all of this. So when they play, our destiny roadhouse garden to be honest the crowd's energy like died a little bit because I think they're like what is this song and my husband and I are like yeah you know like kind of like (laughs) us like hardcore Prince fans are like yeah you know because I'm like oh my god to like that was just the at the end of the day the coolest part of going to that concert to me was just seeing all those those little things that you know you're just like yes
1: (laughs) That's awesome.
2: That's something
0: that I used to like when Prince did in concert was, you know, there was all the hits as usual. But then, like, especially if he was doing like a, a piano medley or something, right, he'd start playing it like, like an unreleased song. Mm-hmm. And you, if it was recorded somehow, like on video, you or if you were there, you'd just see this look on his face, which said, do you know this song? Mm-hmm. Like he just yeah, played like yeah. the first few chords of a song, and then he'd like yeah. look at the audience, and he did it on the piano and microphone.
1: Moonbeam levels. tour as well.
0: He, he played a few songs, and yeah, the first like the first five seconds he'd be playing it, and you'd, there'd just be this look at the audience, and like you know, looking yeah. at the faces, like who knows what this yeah. is, and yeah. that was that's that, again that's the, one of the coolest parts of go, was going of going to a show
2: mm-hmm. because
0: yeah, you've heard Little Red Corvette fifty times, that's yeah. fine. But when he plays something unreleased
2: mm-hmm.
0: officially, it just like blows your head off. You're like, oh my, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: no, it's it's a, it's a really it's a really um, a wild thing, and it'll be interesting to see how time goes on because you know, you wonder how the NPG will do that same thing. Like, how many songs will they do that Prince would never do live? Mm-hmm. You know, like you uh. know, will, will they do morning papers? Will they do? Uh, love to the nines will they do uh get wild like you know what I mean it, it, it'll it'll totally be different songs that you know you mm. just you just, you just kind of wonder one story that uh, Wendy told that I wonder if she told in d c uh, was about Paisley Park the song mm-hmm. I mean she went into grand detail about how uh she thought that was the song that typified his life. And that if there was one song, she said it's not the funkiest song, it's not the biggest hit, it's not the best song he's ever done, but it is the song that best exemplifies who he is and who he was and it's the song Paisley Park, and I thought that was kind of neat, because that's always been a song, like, every time there was all the talk about the record label, it was Paisley Park Records, and it was, it was the building is Paisley Park, and now people are buying tours to Paisley Park, and, you know, read those lyrics and look at listen to that song again, and just hear what that ideal was, and I just think that's kind of neat that they remember it when it was in its infancy, because they recorded the original song, that became the record label and the building.
2: Yeah I think, I think that was the other she kind of mentioned that too at our concert and that was the cool part of you know we all know the song Paisley Park okay I want to listen to it put on this track but to hear as you mentioned kind of talking about the origin of it or you know to really pause and think about the lyrics of it as okay like to to know that you know Wendy who's so close to him is mentioning this was a song that really you know exemplified what he stood for it, it makes you pause and think of it in a different way as a Prince fan who's been a fan for many years to go oh let me Revisit it and to think about the lyrics and get really emotional. Um, so yeah, it was. Oh, I
1: agree with it. Was it. Really, yeah. it was a really cool moment for a song that we all know. Mm-hmm. It was a it was a song that you you heard from a different perspective. And I know coming away from that concert, that was one of the songs that I played a bunch of times just to just to kind of re reacclimate that myself with that knowing that story.
0: Mm-hmm. What What you said before, Seth, about how they were playing the songs as they were. That would have been probably one of the most interesting things because, you know, every tour, Prince would evolve a song. He'd, like, put some more horns on it or a new little thing. And, like, Kiss, you look at Kiss, almost every tour, it's just something different in it. But, yeah, that would have been one of the most interesting things is just to hear it, like, straight off the album as they learnt the song.
1: Well, just think about it from, from 10 years ago. Think about 1999 into Baby, I'm a Star, right? Like, he uh, yeah. he, he evolved those two songs together. Like, that was, that was yeah. what that had become, and he would play that hook. Well, these guys played 1999 in its duration, including the end with uh, Why Does Everybody Have a Bomb at the end. You know, like, it's everything to its entirety, and they did not even consider Baby, I'm a Star until after I Would Die for You, because... That's the, That's way, the way, way it goes. goes
2: it. That's it. Yeah, I said to my husband, I was like, well, we know what the encore is going to be. And he's like, how do you know? I'm like, did you see the movie? See, see the movie.
1: Yeah, I see the movie.
2: <laughs> the way it goes. Yeah, I, I agree. The other thing, too, is and, and mine's kind of a, an extra kudos to the Revolution concert and not to knock Prince and the later concerts. But in right. the later concerts, it was always frustrating to me that because you got this evolved prince that you didn't get the songs full out all the way and of course reimagining them is awesome but like especially when he would sample songs or especially like you know kind of just play teasers of songs that he wouldn't play anymore which is you know again respecting yeah. his decisions but it was be frustrating especially to try and get new prince fans on board and be like well he sampled it and then for 30 seconds and moved on whereas <laughs> here with the revolution playing them full out you're like yes like this is you know, I wanna hear mountains, I wanna like I wanna hear automatic, I wanna hear the whole thing, not like a teaser for a minute and then you get bored and go to the next thing. Like
0: Yeah that was- Yeah, that, that sampler set was definitely not a fan favorite over the last like five years or so.
1: Mm-hmm. He, um, but it was it, it
0: was good for new people who you know might yes. mightn't have seen him before, and they'll hear thirty seconds of when doves cry, and they'll be like, oh, I know that song, and then yeah. that's on to the next one. Most people that I know that were just like, oh, it's time to go to the toilet now. He's going to do fifteen minutes of this.
2: Yeah,
1: <laughs> but they couldn't release this. Like if if they recorded one of these shows, like they couldn't then turn around and release it. They don't own it, right? Like they couldn't they couldn't they can play uh, these songs live. I'm just asking, like, they wouldn't be able to then turn around and then say, hey, you know, this is our live album. Like, I would just love to see them. That's a
0: good argument, actually, because unlike most Prince albums, you know, Purple Rain and Parade and Around the World in the Day, aren't they all listed as Prince and the Revolution? They would definitely have some legal basis to try and release this. Obviously, they'd need permission from the Prince side of it, but they've got a stake in it. You know, all those songs were in their name as well. Well, so that's, that's the other.
1: That's the other question: is uh, when the Purple Rain Deluxe, whatever they're calling that thing, comes out, do they get a piece of that? Yeah. Did they, they get should. a piece of the VHS, the 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 Syracuse 1985? Because if that comes back out now on DVD, like, don't they? Yeah, aren't they a part of that? I, I mean,
0: yeah, the... oh, they'd have to. It's all all those songs and those releases. They're all under the name Prince and the Revolution. There's no reason that I can think of why they wouldn't be getting royalties, you know, what, from those the name it's under.
1: One thing I also uh, I, I really applaud is that Wendy, Lisa, and Bobby dress their age. Brown Mark yeah. is wearing the same outfit from the, the, tour. the tour. And, <laughs> and uh, Dr. Dr. Pink, Pink can't stop. He has to wear the scrubs with the sunglasses.
0: Like Yeah, that's his thing.
1: It was like the left side of the stage was in straight out of 1985 and the other three had said, yeah. we are adults now. Yes. We are not <laughs> going to do this anymore. Like none of them look poor in any way. Like they, they they were they were gorgeous people, but yeah. they looked like adults. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they're, not, they're not trying to, to fit into the old ruffles. You know what yeah, I
2: mean?
0: But, yeah, but Dr. Fink's look is such a unique thing. How could he drop that though? If he, people would be screaming if he wasn't wearing that.
2: I figured too, and it's comfortable. But yeah, I thought that too. I was like, okay, like what are they going to wear? But yeah, overall it was like, okay, this is what's comfortable and normal. And and to me, it was just kind of trippy to see, you know, they are older. And so I'm like, you know, if you didn't know this was the revolution, you might not kind of just put two and two together about how amazing they were so I know Seth had mentioned you know they took the train from DC to um, New York for the next concert and I remember thinking I was like man that day I was like if I was riding Amtrak that day which I do a lot to New York I'm like I would be just out of my mind if I just casually saw the revolution sitting on the Amtrak train just in their <laughs> normal everyday clothes casually I'm like oh my gosh that's just so amazing but yeah I agree it was just kind of funny to see just you know this is this is what I want to wear and I'm I'm cool with it.
1: In 2014, 2014. I uh, traveled with the New York Mets and one time they took a train from Philly to DC. For, we, they played the Phillies and then they played the Nationals and we were on that train and like Matt Harvey would walk to go get himself like a sandwich <laughs> and and all of a sudden there would be fans walking up the aisles and going, "Wait a minute, you're Matt Harvey." Yeah. Like
2: and <laughs> so like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, I could just imagine. Like they're not chartering a train. Mm-hmm.
2: yeah
0: but you know the funny thing is if you hadn't been to these shows or and kept up with what the revolution were doing at all you wouldn't even recognize them maybe you just walk right past because you just wouldn't expect mm-hmm. that they're going to be anywhere mm-hmm. you wouldn't even notice them they're just like some some people on the train
1: yeah I I, it's just it's just wild it, it's wild that they're doing this like i said you know they've moved on they, they have this other these other lives you know I mean, uh, look, Dr. Fink still plays the same songs just with another revolution um, <laughs> when, he's, when he's touring with this thing. And notice he hasn't done any of that since this tour. So you just kind of wonder whether he's going to start again. And um, when you think about it, Wendy and Lisa have contracts. I mean, they have, they have shows that they have to work on. They, have to, they, they can't just drop everything and start touring the country just because they want to play these songs again. Like, there has to be a huge commitment. Yeah. And I can just imagine what like what kind of an undertaking that was because you know there was a big to do about that they were not part of the tribute concert in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. You know, there was every act under the sun, but not that Ah, uh, the
0: big one in October. Right, they Last weren't year. there. Yeah. They
1: weren't there. But it wasn't, like, they couldn't do it. They couldn't get everybody. And I think a lot of it had to probably do with other commitments. And I, you just kind of wonder, like, what it's going to be like to go back to that life.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I applaud them for, you know, they like they don't have to do this. They do have other things going on. And so to give that to fans and to do it for themselves or for whatever their motivation, it's just, I don't know how long it will go on, but I, it's much appreciated.
0: And of course, there's been from the minority, as always, there's always people crying about selling out and it's only for the money. Mm-hmm. I have no problem with them doing this. You know, they were part of this. They All the songs, you know, co-written, the songs are in their name as well. They have every right to go out and play these songs. Oh, I have they've... no problem with that at all. I don't care.
1: Well, it's just like we said the other day about the, the Maite book, like... Don't judge a book by its cover. Like, go see the revolution, and then say you don't like them.
2: Yeah. Or the thing is, too, with the tickets being so inexpensive, it's not like they're charging yeah, thousands exactly. of dollars to see the exclusive revolution. I'm like, tickets are super cheap. Like, yeah, it's they're they're not.
0: If they were only doing this for the money, the tickets would have been eighty dollars or a hundred and thirty dollars. But thirty dollars okay. is crazy. Yep. I, I can't. I still can't believe that. <laughs> It's just crazy. So, Seth, what was your absolute highlight of the show you saw? One one song or one something that
1: happened? Uh, It was the two things we referenced, Paisley Park and Sometimes It Snows in April. And that's a song that's kind of been overplayed, you know, in the last year. But the way they did it and the way Wendy told it just really was touching those two moments were the, the, the coolest and with an honorable mention to Roadhouse Garden.
0: It's interesting, since since he died, the songs, not the songs that you would have expected came out. Like, Of course, Purple Rain was everywhere, but huh? the main songs we heard in like tributes and stuff was Nothing Compares to You, because obviously that's fitting. And then, yeah, sometimes it snows in April, yeah, because it was April, and mm. because probably also it was written on that same day. All those years ago but yeah that's if somebody asked me you know what like anybody would ever ask this question but what two songs do you think will be the most popular after Prince passes away and you wouldn't Prince. say sometimes it snows in April and yeah. nothing compares to you you'd never pick that yeah so it's mm-hmm. weird how that ended up
1: mm-hmm. like I said I was just it was more of the presentation of the whole thing it's not mm-hmm. it, you know there were other songs you know they did great they did a great job they sounded so great. But when they did something that I really couldn't believe they were doing that that's what I took away.
0: Yeah. so Karen, what was your highlight
2: so i'm gonna I'm gonna be really just just boring and kind of cosine, but yeah, no I will agree. <laughs> so sometimes it snows in April, to be honest with you, that was not a song prior to his death that I really sat around listening to and loved. And even after he died, kind of as you were saying with the tributes, it's not really something that got to me. I wasn't crying listening to it. But as Seth said, that the way that they presented it in the concert and the way that Wendy and Lisa were talking about it, and I was like, I'm holding it together. And as I mentioned, I went with my husband, Joe, and next to him, I hear just little sniffles and I'm like looking over and he's just <laughs> like, yeah, and I'm just like, all right. like, And like I said, he's, he's not some diehard Prince fan that just, it was the way they talked about it and the way they sang it, that you could just feel the emotion. And that was just everything you wanted it to be so i'm gonna kind of keep going with kind of the awesome high points of that and then i'll also say about our destiny roadhouse garden just because they didn't have to play that that's not like from the purple rain soundtrack and so for them to just kind of be like you know what we want to play i'm like i just want to encourage i'm like yes like play more of this and then last but not least just to kind of add something new to it for me i was excited to hear just to kind of live in the moment and just hear the songs and for me it was mountains because they did it kind of just on like you listen to mountains that's what they played like it just was like for me it was just kind of that it was at the beginning of the concert and so it was just this surreal moment of like i am watching the revolution play mountains and it sounds exactly like how i hear it in my head and this is so cool and so those were kind of the the high points to me and Um, and uh, captain uh, the cool
1: uh, thing about mountains and and again it's not live and shelby doing it
2: Mm, yeah so it's not matched you up with the dance electric that, either
1: right you hadn't heard that for eight years
2: yes yeah that's I yeah. think. yep that's a, a cool point point. and then i i have to just add too when since Prince fans love looking for signs, especially now that he's passed away. So when our concert ended, you know, after I would die for you, after Baby, I'm a Star. So we all walk outside and it was actually, there was a gentle rain that was falling and there was no rain (laughs) predicted in the forecast. And so all that just kind of, you know, adds that extra magical element where everyone's, you know, feeling like they're reading these signs. And I'm not one to read into them, but I have to report that because I was at the DC concert and I felt like the energy there, everyone was like, yes, like he is here. And so... Whatever God you believe in, or whatever, that was that was kind of a cool little moment at the end.
1: So that's funny. That's very mm-hmm.
0: cool. Yeah, one of, that would have been what Karen just said about like living in the moment. That would have been one of the coolest things. Is apart from the obvious person missing <laughs> on stage, you could literally st- be watching that show and be like. It's 1985. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm watching this band on the stage right now.
1: Although I used they to be able bit to stand older a lot longer. And larger, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say, I used to be able to stand a lot longer in 1985 than I could in 2017.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was so yeah. that was my only negative of it, and I don't know, Seth, what time they went on, but... The, you know, doors opened at seven, there was a DJ beforehand, and like, the energy was positive, everyone was real pumped up, the DJ was doing a great job, the people kept coming out and checking the instruments, but they didn't go on until nine, and so again, I'm in my 30s, but even then, I was like, okay, like this is a lot of standing, <laughs> like
0: two hours of standing before they even came on, yeah. Come
2: on, yeah.
1: Uh, I was gonna say, I always tell the story about uh, in Vegas, the 3121 Club. Mm-hmm. I remember he didn't take the stage till like uh, one o'clock in the morning or, or whatever, and I remember oh. my my new bride at the time, uh, she uh, had to sit down. I mean, she she just she was like she couldn't do this. And she stayed because she knew who she was waiting for. It's a a different thing, and it's not to knock anybody, but I don't know who else you would stand like that for. And I think people listening to this know what we're talking about. That's
0: one thing I really hate is about when venues are like, you know, doors at 7 p.m. As soon as I see that, I just get on Facebook or on Twitter or I call the place and I'm like, what's the actual set list? What time is this band on, that band on? Because I'm not going to turn up when doors open. Mm-hmm. I don't drink alcohol, so there's no point in me going there early and them expecting me to, you know, buy drinks for the next two hours because that's not happening. So I'll the, find out the band other- I want to see, what time they're on. I'll get there like 20 minutes before that instead of standing there for hours for no reason.
2: But you needed to get there early. I saw the BB Kings. I saw like Facebook Live people. The lines were really like people were getting there early. And then the other thing, at least at my concert, was because they had um, Revolution merchandise for sale. The line for Revolution merchandise was like quite yeah. lengthy that i was like oh my gosh i was like what is everyone seeing in line for and they're like merchandise i'm like okay i didn't i didn't know they were going to be selling revolution merchandise and that was quite the uh, hot item
1: speaking of merchandise like that was one of the yeah, funniest tell, tell things. me about tell me about that well there was the, one of the funniest things was uh they were selling these purple uh, revolution logoed shirts they had one of a cartoon image of prince and the revolution from that era They were selling like four or five t-shirts, but when you walk around the crowd, because that's what we were doing, you know, they, they didn't, doors opened at six. I didn't get there at six. I got there at 730, but. They didn't take the stage until nine, and we, you know we were walking around and walking around just trying to keep ourselves interested. I mean, what's the dude that's wearing the Welcome to America shirt like? What, <laughs> what, what's that guy thinking? Like what? What? what what's? And then there it's was
2: a, one guy it's, a no, guy, print, dude.
0: it's related enough.
2: That guy is not thinking because I saw people too in like shirts that I was I was pointing out. I was like, oh my god, that one's for one fifty on eBay. That one's for. I'm like, this stuff's selling. <laughs> you shouldn't be wearing that shirt. Like, if anything, geez.
1: Do you remember the? The, the Jam of the Year shirt with all the words in the front? Yep, uh, I do. There, there was a guy wearing that. I had that shirt. I don't know where that shirt is, I'm but I had that to, shirt.
2: I'm trying to buy that shirt right now. Don't make fun of me. So really? No,
1: I, I owned it. Oh, I good. owned it. I had it. I don't have it anymore. I don't know what it must have been. I
2: literally been. had about six of those.
1: Yeah.
0: Like when I went to Paisley Park in 2000, they were having like this big garage sale and everything was just like in boxes. They were like just clearing out, literally clearing out one of the, storage rooms they had. And there was just boxes and boxes of stuff. And everything was like five bucks. Even one dollar for some things. It was crazy. And I I think I had like six of those shirts. Now like two Aww. bucks each or something.
2: Crazy now. It it's crazy.
0: Like... I picked up the war C D for five bucks. Oh and that's worth war. hundreds now. It's yeah. insane.
2: Yep. The other thing, too, is that that was a Steve Park design, and I was wondering, because he's in Baltimore, we're in DC if he was coming, and then the next day I saw that he was at the concert, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so cool that Steve Park was there taking photographs in the front concert, which, because I didn't go to Celebration, I didn't see kind of the mix of eras of people, so I was like, oh, that that's so cool, I'd love to meet Steve Park one day. So, hey, tell me,
0: tell me about merchandise, because I want to get one of those shirts. What shirts did they have?
1: I mean, they had, uh, they had the purple shirt that just said Revolution, that was the only one that i would have considered um in the
0: famous purple rain font yeah
1: that font it just said the revolution the one yeah. with the cartoon with the one with the cartoon faces i was just like i don't, I, I don't know nah. I, don't, I don't know who's buying that that was the only two shirts that i really saw there was one about the tour it had the it had all the dates of the of the revolution tour. Ah. but i don't remember what was on the front i know that was on the back but i don't remember what was on the front
0: were they all purple? Or was there like black or white as no,
1: well? They were, those, the, the last two that I was saying were black uh, with purple writing. And then the other one was purple with, I guess, black writing. I, I guess. I don't know. There was a line for it. At B.B. King's, it was on a separate level. Mm-hmm. So you had to go mm-hmm. upstairs. And the way that place is constructed, I mean, it's so smart that there's a lounge also there. So that when you were by the merchandise, you couldn't hear the music. Uh-huh. So there were people who were going up while they were waiting but they kept checking to see if the concert had started. It was very often. There was a, one of one of our friends, um, Captain, you know, Andrew, his wife is uh, seven and a half months pregnant and uh, they gave her a seat. They Aww. were very nice. They gave her a seat. That was very cool. But she left. She couldn't stay for the whole thing. Like if they had took the stage at eight, she would have stayed. But you know, she's seven and a half months pregnant. I mean, she gets a pass. <laughs>
0: yeah. If I'm thinking of the same place, the BB Kings in New York, doesn't that have like booth seating like right around the walls, at least on one yeah. or two sides?
1: Good luck getting there. <laughs> put, put, Put two thousand people in that building, and then tell me <laughs> what that's like.
0: Yeah, yeah, unless you're the first six people in the line, you're not getting in
1: those. And, and yeah. don't go. And don't go to the restrooms. Yeah,
2: there, there were a few seats. Yeah, like a kind of up on the yeah, like the perimeter up there. People that just got there early. But our our bathroom situation was very good, so that was that was a plus of our venue. But yeah, I don't, there was no seats available really, oh, yeah. there, unless you got there ridiculously early.
1: Sorry if I buried the lead, but Patton Oswalt was at our show. Ooh. Oh, there you go that's kind
2: of neat. <laughs> Perfect. I'm going to
0: try and get one of those shirts, I think. I'll have to see if, see if I can find some photos online. And Anyone who's going to revolution shows in the future, somebody get me a shirt. <laughs> I'll tell you which
1: one. That's what I'll do. I'll pay cash and carry it the entire night while standing, just so I can mail it to Australia. <laughs> <Aww>. Exactly. <laughs> that sounds like a great plan. <laughs> they're not like
0: selling them on a website or anything, are they? They're only at the shows.
2: I no, bet. but they're signing something. I saw on their Facebook page, because it was they were they were on the train doing some signing oh of- yeah i
0: saw that they were signing something yeah posters maybe
2: yeah
1: no i was gonna say karen have you ever heard of captain's uh, journey to new york to meet prince
2: no but is it on a podcast or is this oh. an exclusive oh my I'll send, I'll I'll send you do you the not place. go to
1: do not go to sleep until you hear <laughs> <know> that story
0: <laughs>
2: yeah you, that's you, a long show though <laughs>
1: It's a long show, but it is so funny.
2: Oh, yeah. I'll have to look that one up. Or can and you for
1: see? anybody that doesn't li- listen to that review, just all you have to do is wonder about gratuity in America and <laughs> and um, <laughs> uh, who Jim Crow is. <laughs> oh,
0: no. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a good show.
1: That is a not underrated story. That's a great story.
0: <laughs> and, so, Is there anything else we need to say? Anything we'd forgot to talk about?
2: Uh, the only other thing I would just mention was that I was happy it really was a celebration of Prince and his music. And that kind of is hackneyed to say, but just not knowing if it was the mood was going to be down Stumber, or. Somber. Yeah, somber, yeah, what, what, what kind of like what to expect. And then vice versa. Am I just going to hear all the Purple Rain songs live and not be impressed? It had a lot more depth and, and personalization and just kind of emotion than I personally was expecting. And so for me, that was just it was it was emotional, but it was also just a happy celebration. This wasn't, you know, a time for just mourning and you know, we need to kind of kind of be positive with things. So that that made me happy.
1: It was just a it was a very honest presentation. It was just it was so real. Mm-hmm. And for fans who felt the emotions, whatever your era is or whatever your part of it is, you, you felt like you touched the world. That world. You know, you just, you, you were a part of something. And it was just, it was really neat to see them, see them enjoying themselves and, and, and really. You know, getting, getting as, as deep as they got. They, they 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 really deserve a lot of praise.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't think I went into it thinking I'd get as much out of it as I did. And so even when the opportunity came up to talk on this podcast, I was like, you know, I, I feel like I need to share that experience with people because it was so powerful that, yeah, I really appreciated it.
0: For the price that you guys paid, I can't understand why anybody wouldn't go. What can you lose for 30 bucks? Yep. Seriously, that's...
1: And for all the people, yeah, I know, that to, I know to
0: some people. That still might be that's pretty tight f- for money, but still, it's only thirty bucks. And they're not going to tour this forever. This is probably like a one-off thing. So if you can go and see, they might say.
1: Yeah, but think about all the people that complained about the prices in Minnesota for the celebration and the prices for everything. Like this is But this that is but,
0: the, but that was a legitimate complaint, you know, like a thousand dollars.
2: And this was so I, I went to another concert in D C earlier this month and it was granted it was a bigger bigger venue, but the parking was forty dollars. The parking was forty oh dollars like, oh, yeah. one ticket was not even as much as the parking for this other concert. I went
0: wow. To- wow. Yeah. Crazy. So I'm going to try and get the revolution to Australia. I don't know how. It's very unlikely with all the costs involved in getting them here and probably not a huge fan base down here. But i have still got to try. I'll see what Good luck. we can do. Good luck. Yeah.
1: All I can say is if they announce that they're going to Australia... People will listen to this podcast. They will.
2: And you'll get your <laughs> t shirt. You'll get your t shirt too. I'll get my t
0: shirt, and <laughs> they should make specific ones for Australia that say, like, for the first and only time in Australia or something, because they've yeah. never been here.
2: Oh, that's true. So I, I. Purple
0: Rain, nothing. They never toured here. The first time he ever came here was 92 oh with dinosaurs and Pearls in the NPG. So the revolution never got down here. So that would be a great thing if that happens, I hope.
2: Yeah, that's. That's very interesting. That's what I was going to ask you, though, Seth, was did you guys have did you have an after party? Because we had um, you could go to from like whatever time till 3 a.m.,
1: yeah, Linka uh, Link Paris was playing, yeah.
2: Yeah, so I didn't go to it because I'm feeling older by the day, but I, some people did, and I saw the live stream. But Brown Mark came out and did autographs. Um, I don't know if other people did, but I was like, oh, that was, like, again, I'm like, they didn't have to come to an after party. So I don't think, I didn't see pictures with anybody else, but I did know Brown Mark showed up and, and whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was a, a, cool. a sponsored thing. Link of Paris uh, played. No, uh, there was nothing official, but uh, it was, they, they were great.
2: I have to say thank you for letting me be on this podcast because like I said I don't I'm not very vocal in my princeness it's a very personal quiet thing so I'm in I'm, princes- I'm oh you did, you did great thank oh, you great. I'm excited now and now I like don't want to shut up and I'm like oh if you have any people <laughs> opportunities I'm like I am and I'm happy to know that I, I understood you a lot better than I was afraid that I would not understand an Australian accent or a New Jersey accent no I'm just joking yeah, <laughs> so-
1: yeah. he understood Captain but uh, the, the the clown from Jersey <laughs>
2: Yeah,
0: what's he talking about? Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, thank you, all right. everybody. To all two of you. Yes. Uh, it was good. We talked about the revolution. Thank you, Karen. Thank you. Thank you, Seth.
1: Always a pleasure.
0: Again, and that's the end. Now, some theme music.